0: Hey, everybody, welcome to another episode of Cash That. This is the final part of the money series with Brandon Anderson. This is your host, once again, Joe Delera, and I'm joined by Brandon Anderson. How are you doing today, Brandon?
1: Uh, I'm doing well. I am, as our listeners listen to this, probably not doing quite as well as you are. I'm in a bunker in North Dakota. I hope that you are like sprawled out on a beach somewhere against some sun on that honeymoon of yours uh, we've had a lot of fun talking through our, our money stuff today the franchise hope rankings is one of my favorite things to do each summer i've done this like a decade in a row and kind of seeing teams come and go this is like the deepest end of niche nerd basketball and i'm here for it and i'm excited to talk through it all
0: yeah so if you guys haven't listened yet this is the final part of a series that i did with brandon because i'm going to be away from my honeymoon to Try to take a little bit of time to unwind. Uh, But we did put out some evergreen pieces for you. We talked about the free agency contracts and how that affects things. In the first episode, we talked about the worst contracts in the NBA in terms. And we had a list for a countdown for that. And then we talked about the best contracts in the NBA and how that impacts teams. And it kind of has led us to this point now where we can talk about hope rankings. So what this is essentially is, is... Brandon kind of looked at it. We sent a list and like there's going to be some pushback and a little bit of back and forth from the two of us on how these teams rank uh, all 30 NBA teams. We're going to try to keep it quick for you guys where it's a little bit of a look at this season, but also a look at the next couple of seasons and how these teams have been set up for success, either just in the immediate or, you know, if it's going to be taking a little bit longer and that and that's something that we're going to be taking into consideration as well. So let's kick it off with it looks like it's all smiles up here is how you have tier number one listed. And these are, I would say, the year in, year out title contenders for you over the next couple of seasons. Who do we got here?
1: Yeah, so this effectively we're starting at the top here because I think the top is kind of pretty self-evident on a list like this. I uh, effectively, as I'm thinking of as a fan, how happy can I be? How much hope do I have as a fan? And look, if I'm a fan, what do you want to do? You want to win the championship. So if I just won the championship or if I have a good chance to win it again or both in these teams cases, that's probably going to give me the most hope. At the top of the list, you're going to hear a lot of teams that we already know are good. That's why you have hope because th- it's all about trying to get to and win the championship. So number one, the Denver Nuggets. They move up. They were fourth last year, which I think is interesting. I had them pretty high in my list of like, you know, they're right there. We didn't really know if they could actually win a title. Now they did. You got Jokic in his prime. You got really the whole core in their prime. I think probably you have a two-year window before this roster gets really, really expensive. Yeah. And at that point, you maybe have a Michael Porter Jr. conversation about if he's the right guy on the team, with as expensive as he is. But they're the favorites. They're the title they're the defending champions. Number two on the list, maybe a slightly more controversial. I think number one is pretty easy. I got the Warriors. Warriors I had last year, number three, even though they had just won the championship then. Like, you just won. I'm giving you credit for you. There's yeah. still the glow of champion on you. They still have their title core. And now Chris Paul, who I, I know... Anti-title in- Chris
0: Paul, so...
1: Chris Paul, who has been a winner at every stage on every team he's ever played on. I know he's not won a title, but he has been an awesome player. I think is the third best point guard of all time. Top 25 player all time. With Golden State, the window's not as long and the window is possibly shut already. We don't really know. Frankly, I thought it was shut a year ago. They won the title. So to me, I love the Chris Paul thing. I love that they got rid of Jordan Poole. They get rid of Wiseman, some of the young guys. I think that they said, look, no more stride on the fence. No more two timelines. This is who we are. We are a smart team. We, we want coaches on the court for us. Chris Paul liked Draymond Green in that way. I don't know. I thought last year was maybe the last dance. Well, now you have Chris Paul on an expiring deal and Klay Thompson. So I think one or both of those guys probably got to go at some point point." I think you got one, maybe two more legitimate title chances that I think it's possible that if Chris Paul fits in and look, I just feel like he will. I don't know how, I don't know how to explain it, but Chris Paul has been on a bunch of teams now where like, I don't know, Chris Paul and Russell Westbrook, I don't know, Chris Paul and James Harden, dude figures it out. Like he just wins, he adapts his game. I think they'll figure it out. I think there's a real chance the Warriors could be considered title favorites when the playoffs start this year. So for me, having just won a title, and given that they have a real chance to still maybe add another, they come in number two here.
0: Yeah, I think the Golden State one is more interesting to me um, than Denver. Denver's a little weird because, like, obviously they lost Bruce Brown, but, like, look, you still have the best player in the league, best player in the world. So, like, we'll give them that. I'm not going to take that away from Denver. But with the Warriors, I... I guess like you have to look at it and say, well, given what Jordan Poole actually gave them in the playoffs last year, Chris Paul almost has to be better. Is that kind of the way you're looking at this?
1: Yeah. I mean, I think it's it's addition by subtraction, but also addition by addition. Like even if Chris Paul is just old, or frankly, even if he can't play much because he's injured and just can't get out there, it's still better than having Jordan Poole negatively impact impacting the team, which is what he was doing. But I think you take away to me, like when I go through and these are not just like I sat down one day and was like, who do I like on the hope rankings? This is like the culmination of 100 hours of offseason of re-ranking every asset, every team, all the contracts. What does the salary cap outlook look like? Which teams can fit another player, have a trade, or whatever. To me, in the entire NBA, there is no bigger swing factor than removing Jordan Poole and replacing him with Chris Paul, than any team, any slot in the NBA. A player that was that damaging as Jordan Poole was this season. I know we had moments last year. I know he was good for the first round of the playoffs. This year, Jordan Poole was terrible and worse in the playoffs. Chris Paul, I think, is a championship level player if he's healthy. He's not what he once was. But he's a guy that he's a 16-gamer that you want out there as many of the 16 games as you can get him for. And I think the swing from huge negative pool to some amount of positive, Chris Paul, is, is the biggest swing in basketball. And as good as Denver is, I don't, the, the Nuggets are not what the old Warriors were. Like There is not going to be a prohibitive favorite title team this year. Yeah. So if you have Steph playing as well as he does, still as good as anyone in the league, and if you have Draymond, possibly still as good a defender as anyone in the league. And now you add in Chris Paul. Now you slot down Clay Thompson, who's not what he once was. And I always thought slightly overrated, anyways. Now he's the fourth guy in the pecking order and just shooting open jumpers and hopefully making sometimes, please, Clay, make a shot. Like Wiggins, also, by the way, I, I, look, I've, I've dumped on Wiggins for years. He basically just had a lost season to add him back in, not as a star. But just replacing, like, think of all the guys that they played last year that just Wiggins gets to be neutral minutes at least instead of negative minutes for all these other just end of the roster dudes. He's the one guy, like, in his prime on the team, getting back 2,500 Wiggins minutes and playoff minutes on top of it. I think that moves the needle a lot in this team, too. So to me, there are other teams on the list. There's there's the team that's number three is probably the one that most people doing this yeah. would put higher than Golden State. But to me, if I want to win a title, I have to have a team I believe in and I still need that absolute superstar. I need that guy that can be the best player on a title team. And I know Nicole Jokic can do that. And I know Steph can do that because I've seen it from both of them. And I don't think there's another title core team with that sure, sure player and roster. And that's why these two are in their tier alone to me.
0: Yeah. So I think this, this grouping is interesting, right? Cause they're both young teams. They both have tremendous talent on both teams, but I think that you're right. Like in terms of the question, like it's one of those, I think a lot of it's, it's that, uh, it's like the, it's like, the you don't know ball people that are like, Oh, like <laughs> these guys are awesome. Like, and it's like, okay, like, yeah, like they're awesome. But what we've seen now from teams is like outside of, I, I guess, like, Dirk, and then even like Kawhi was still amazing, right? When he was on the Raptors, what team wins a title without like a legit, legit superstar on the team? Like it just doesn't happen. Part of it has to do with the fact that like LeBron's dominated the NBA for such a long period of time. And then same with like the Warriors where you had KD and Curry, right? So it's like you had this combination of, of superstars one way or the other. And then like, if you jump back a little bit further then it was like, well, then you had Jordan. So it's like, you're it's when you look at this, it's a little bit harder to say like, you know, Jordan. And then there was also, and Kobe obviously in the middle too. Right. So it's like, you have these like super, super, superstars. What do you think about Boston and Memphis? Do they have that guy in like Tatum? I think is probably the closest out of any of these players on either team.
1: Yeah, so that's that's tier two is what I call the perennial finals contenders. I got Boston at number three. They moved down one spot from last year. Memphis moves up from eight to four. And the, Memphis was the team that when I did this whole exercise, and the, this is me like setting the chessboard for the year, Memphis is the team that I came away really excited. And I thought it was very interesting that Memphis is my number four because Denver a year ago was my number four. Where I was like, oh, man, I really see this coming together here. Can they win a title? Uh, I don't think I would have said yes necessarily a year ago at this time. I don't know if I really thought that uh, that their defense could be good enough. With Memphis, can John Morant be that guy? Can he be the superstar? I don't know. I don't know if he can be that. I I guess if I'm being honest, I'd probably say more likely no than yes. Not even counting the injury updates and the the off-the-court stuff. Like Even outside of that, I'm not sure if he's quite that guy. I don't know that I really believe Jason Tatum was quite that guy either. I think he's just like a half tier off of that list. I know he's still youngish and can still be improving, but look, Boston, we've talked a ton about them on all the other episodes. Boston is self-evident. They have an elite top seven. We talked about like the possible two-year window before they might either have to pick both Jays or the supporting cast. Uh, the only reason they wouldn't be tier one is they're getting expensive soon because of the Jalen deal. He yep. also we got talked about in the worst contracts i don't know if i think jason tatum is good enough to be the best player on a title team i don't know if i think joe Mazzulla is good enough to be the coach of a title team i don't yeah. think the answer can be no we, 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 we can't can can be no here yeah like i don't think that i thought eric spolstra was good enough to be the coach on a title team after his first year either and now he's the number one coach in the league like everyone agrees so yes. Let's give Mizzou some time. That's number three. To me, Memphis is Boston West, and I did not really see that coming. Like, the way that they're putting together these bargain deals and the way that they have this deep roster with a great defense and a good coach that fits and a winning formula, you now add in Marcus Smart to the core, who I think was a perfect fit for them. They, again replacing Dylan Brooks with Marcus Smart I think is a very big upgrade for them we yeah. we know we don't love Dylan Brooks here on this podcast <laughs> I'm not a huge Marcus Smart fan I think that he's a little overrated as well but not like Dylan Brooks so getting him in there adding his offense adding his point guard abilities with the John Morant question marks I think is really valuable too it is a team that's getting expensive Desmond Bain just signed his max extension deal he deserves it John Morant's on a max. Jaron Jackson will be on one when he gets there. He was number two on our best contracts list. Marcus Smart would have been a possibility for that list with more time on his deal. I think this core, that group of four, I think they make the finals at least once with the Grizzlies. And if you make the finals, you can win the championship. Yeah. I think they're probably the underdog when they make that finals, whoever they would be. But I would have thought the Nuggets about that last year too. I would have said the same thing that, I think the Jokic team could make the finals. Look, I did. Uh, how many times yeah. Action the did I tell people to bet the East because I thought Denver would come out and then be the underdog to Boston or Philly or Milwaukee? Oops, apparently all those teams pooped the bed and we had to watch the freaking eight-seed heat the entire time instead. <laughs> Look, sometimes like this to me, I've talked for years about, I thought the Spurs dynasty for the, the 20 years of that was i don't know if overrated is the right word as much as just misunderstood i don't think the spurs very often were number one with a bullet no i think the spurs were number three and four perennial finals contenders and if you are boston and you get to the conference finals year after year after year every single year it's like the poker player that always makes the final table and if you always make the final table Sometimes you're going to run hot. You're going to get the right cards. Your opponent's going to bust out. Sometime you're going to get that in your favor. Sometime you're going to be the Raptors and you made the finals and oh, Golden State just had two huge injuries. And look, that's not asterisk. That's just the game. You gave yourself the chance. Philadelphia, frankly, should have beat them, but didn't. Maybe Philly, we think of them totally differently now. And they maybe would be champions that Jimmy Butler team. Instead, Toronto had the bounce, 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 and in. Sorry, Philly fans. I don't know how many Philly fans listen to a New Yorkers podcast. I'm At, not least sure the demos At least yeah. one. At least one. I'm very high on Memphis. I wasn't really expecting it. I think Memphis and Boston are kind of a Spider-Man meme to each other.
0: Yeah, I think these two teams are interesting. I think Tatum is as close to the conversation of like best player, best team, could win a title. And I think a lot of it though has to do with he's one of those players. Like if you just plopped him on a, like a random team, maybe they don't win, but because Boston is so well run, so well organized, sets so many good contracts that like you can surround him with the talent that he needs to win. And like you said, he's young. So I like, if I had to pick one of these, I like Boston a little bit better, but I think yeah. it's, I think it's, you know, it's like six in one hand, half dozen of the other. So I think that that, takes us interestingly enough to our next tier, which these guys like all have perennial, perennial superstar talent. Um, let's talk about tier three real quick.
1: Yeah. So this is what I call the stars win titles tier. And me now, so we had tier one was you got the team and you have the superstar that can win the title tier two was you have the team, but we're not really sure if you have that championship star Now we're on the flip side of that. Now we're on the, well, you have the championship star. Here's the guy that could win the title. Do you have the right team with it? So I'll give you the list here. Three teams. Number five, a very begrudging from me because this is not a team that I really like or believe in with what they're doing, but there's a lot of star talent on the Phoenix Suns. They are number five on my list. They're moved up from number 10. Number six on my list was number one a year ago. Not the direction you want to be moving on a list like this, but the Milwaukee Bucks, Still have Giannis. That core around him is getting pretty old. Giannis is really not exactly that young anymore either, but they come in at number six. And then probably a little bit of a controversy here. Number seven, the Dallas Mavericks. I'm putting Luca in that championship yep. winning ability. They moved up from number 14. I love the Dallas offseason. I know the risk with of Kyrie. They had to do it. They surrounded him now with the right sort of pieces, the three and D wings, the bigs. I think they built a James Harden team for a James Harden player. And that is a compliment and a diss. It's whatever you think about Harden, it's what you should think about Luka. They're very similar stylistically. I think that if Kyrie can actually stay on the court and do the things he's really good at, which he's still like all NBA caliber if he plays, add him at number two, add the right pieces around, which they have now done, I think that the formula there, like those James Harden and Rockets teams, they won 60 games and frankly would have been a title favorite if like the KD Warriors hadn't existed simultaneous to them. So I, that's this tier to me. I don't totally believe in Kyrie's a huge window and it could go very badly. And look, I think this, this whole thing is judging on a three-year window. It's entirely possible that by year three, any or all three of these teams have plummeted in my hope yep. rankings because Luca might not be there anymore. I think he makes it through three years, probably. Giannis, I don't know. He's on Milwaukee three years from now. If they don't win a title yeah. the first two years, I- I'm just going to say it right now. I'll go on a record. I think three years from now, I think if the Bucs didn't win the next two years, Giannis is a Laker. And I hate it. And it makes me sick. And, and maybe he's a Nick. Well, let- let's say that yeah. for you. Maybe Giannis is a Nick three years from now. I don't know that, the- that it's long. The Suns are like wildly expensive. It's only going to get more expensive. They can't add buyout guys. They can't add anything but, but minimums. I don't know if it fits, but they do have Durant and Booker, who the way he's playing might deserve. They might have two guys that are yeah. best title guys. Like I don't think that about Booker, but I have to give credit as a possibility. So that's the why they're highest in this group.
0: I think Booker's fascinating because when we saw him play without Chris Paul, you were like. Oh wow, like he is good. Like it, he actually took a different step in my like thought process of what I thought of Devin Booker because I don't I was always like a Devin Booker like hater in a way because I was like, ah, like he's a scorer, like he does the things, but like I don't know if that's really winning, like if that's winning, right? Then like it's almost like he plays with Chris Paul for a bit. And it's like, he I think he learned something. I think, like, I think it mattered. Like, I think that that yeah. was a big, like, development thing for him. And the fact that he was such a good facilitator, fascinating. And I think that that actually can raise Phoenix's ceiling, not because like, I don't think losing Chris Paul or like moving Chris Paul was necessarily like a good thing. Right. Um, But I think at the same time, if Booker can really play like a real point guard role, then that changes the nexus for them because it's like at where they are and the way that that roster is structured, you have to just have like incremental upgrades. And I don't know. I I don't really like Bradley Beal. I think it's redundant. Um, But at the same time, is Bradley Beal like if they're already all in, they're already paying all the money to everybody? Would you rather have Bradley be like in a vacuum? Would you rather have Bradley right. Beal or Chris Paul? And I'm probably going to say Bradley Beal, especially at this stage in their careers.
1: Yeah. I mean, I, I that's not Tough. a podcast for another day. It's, it's, yeah. I, I, like, I love Chris Paul and I love that we talked about him just a bit ago as a 16 game guy. I'm always going to be a Chris Paul guy. Bradley Beal is just is younger and closer to his prime still. I think a little bit past This yeah. is not a Bradley Beal ranking. This is a Booker and KD ranking, but yep. I am giving credit here based on the way the cap looks and everything. As expensive as it is, Matt Ishbia is going to pay the money. Like he's made oh, that yeah. right here right now. So I think I had to put them this high because I think that at least the Booker KD combo and whatever they do with Beal or Ayton or the salary slots that they trade those guys for if either one happened, I think this three-year hope window they are in the mix all three years. Like I don't yep. think the Booker KD combo. You never know with KD because my, my man, like pick a lane or what know, are you doing yeah. with your life. But <laughs> it seems like that this core, even though I don't really believe in it, it, seems like they really have at least three bites of the apple here. Which, which I don't give Milwaukee credit for because of the aging curve and the Giannis thing. Mm. And I don't know. Theoretically, Dallas should have the three-year window, like the 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 sound line up but yeah. it's Kyrie. So I just, I don't know how that goes. So to me, that's why Phoenix was top of the list here. I didn't even really notice it till now, but this is now my top, top seven. There's only two East teams. So maybe from that alone, Boston should go a little higher just because there's a lot out West still in Milwaukee. I don't know. Do, do you think I have Milwaukee too low? You have Giannis who arguably is still the best player in the world, maybe. And we just saw a title two years ago. I'm giving you credit for, for, Golden State was number two because they're they're still having the glow of the champions. I just we talked about a little bit. I, I don't I don't know if I feel the same glow about no. Milwaukee and
0: something. I, I think it's if the, if, I think it's the style.
1: Yeah, they didn't answer the question. Like we still the same stuff that we didn't know if they could win the title. They're back to those same things. Like it's feeling more and more. Uh, what's the word? It's not. It's not a fluke again banners fly forever that that title counts and nothing takes that away but it doesn't feel like they solved the stuff that made us reticent to support them in the first place and now it's just an older worse version of the same thing it feels like
0: yeah like i think that like they had to bring back some of the guys that they brought back obviously um i think that milwaukee is just they're one of those teams like as long as they have Giannis, and as long as they have drew and as long as Middleton is like relatively healthy, I think that you have to just consider them. But I do think that there's always going to be, I think a lot of that has to do with the fact that the East is just like, when we look at it, like the East is just weaker right now. Yeah. Um. You know, it's just like, it's, it's not really as good. You know, you have some of like the, I would say some of the top, talent is in the east but the teams that surround them is not necessarily there so i think that that then takes us to this next segment right of uh teams that are like are always kind of like in the mix but you're like are they good enough i don't know let's talk about these next four teams here
1: yeah so tier four i call the faux contenders because you know i love to make friends joe so (laughs) i'm gonna make a lot of friends with this group here's my list Number eight is the Miami Heat. They move up a lot from 17. You just By the time to. folks listen to this, I think Damian Lillard will probably be on the roster. Right now, as we record, we're still in the stalemate. It sure looks like that's where we're ending up. I'm effectively factoring in that, that not only that they're getting him, but for free for the most part, which again, another podcast for that conversation. So Miami number eight. Number nine is the Clippers. They are steadily sliding a little bit from this ranking over the years. Number 10 right now, and I might audible on this, even from when I did these rankings a week ago to when we're actually recording, number 10 is the Sixers. But we inch ever closer toward maybe this is not the Sixers we're getting. What's James Harden doing? I don't know. And then number 11, the Los Angeles Lakers, another team that just is is slowly inching down the list. These to me, why are these the full contenders? These are teams that I think could make the conference finals. We just saw two of them do it. I think could make the finals. We just saw the heat do it. But I, I think if they, any of these teams win a title, number one, they're all built around superstars. That is, is the star on the team, the best player on a title team? I don't know that I'd say yes. The version right now of LeBron, or anthony davis oops he just got a paper cut again he's out for a month yeah. or of Joel Embiid in the playoffs and the version of james harden or of Kawhi leonard can he stay healthy or of jimmy butler or damian lillard like these are all yeah. you can make a case for top 10 for any or all of them a pretty easy case for most for most of them but are they win you a title type player i don't know and they're all rosters that like are incomplete and going the wrong direction trajectory wise, the Clippers, this might be a last dance and PG are both expiring this year. Like Mm -hmm. they could be a hard reset nearly the whole team.
0: I I actually think I would have, I think I would have the Clippers much lower because Mm -hmm. I think, I don't think that they're, they haven't improved. Like they're not better they've done nothing but show us that they can't stay on the floor. So like that's, and I know it's like, it's one of those things, but like, that's where I would be at with them with Philly. I think that in this tier, like right now, like where everybody is like at in their career, right? Like Embiid is the best player in this tier right now. I think like in terms of like on court talent, like whatever, the problem is like that situation is just like exploding. Like, and it's like one of those, like they should be, I think in the, in the tier above, just because Embiid is good, but like the, with the situation around them is like, it feels very unstable right now. And it's hard to say that I I think Embiid could be the best player in a title team. Like, I think that he has like the ability to do that, but I do think that he needs to be with like, like you have to, uh, but that's any, that's any superstar. Like they need to be surrounded with like some of the right talent. And like, if Harden doesn't want to be there, That's not going to be like, that's not it then, you know? So, cause I don't think that they're good enough without Harden or at least like something that comes back for Harden. That's like remotely appropriate. Like if they got Dame, sure, sure. I would put them, I would put them in a completely different tier, but like as currently constructed, it's like one of those teams. I'm like, yeah, like I, I don't know <laughs> if I can bet on that. Like, well, so yeah, <laughs> and with like, Philly,
1: it's it's Harden is expiring and and expiring in more than one way. But I'm talking about the contract version in this <laughs> case. But Tobias Harris and Tyrese Maxey are also on expiring deals, and Joel Embiid's already dropping the breadcrumbs about your your New York Knicks and whoever else. That like, we'll see who else is out there. Like, this could yeah. go real sideways for Philadelphia. So uh, that's a chance for them, similar to the Clippers, where like. I think you can make a pretty good case that both Philadelphia and the Clippers have both already had their best chance with this yeah. core. Like, I yeah. think that might be a past tense for them. To me, the Heat stay on the top here, even though I think at their best, even the Dame Lillard version is probably the lowest ceiling of these four teams. But yeah. you got Spo and you got Pat Riley and you're Miami. So, like, Let's figure to me, out. Because, because, yeah, Miami's going to figure that out, and the spine is so good. The Lakers really only make the list because they're the Lakers. And yeah. I don't like I, I think that this year maybe was the best chance we had for LeBron and Davis. Still, I like the moves they added to help them for the regular season floor, but I'm not really sure they moved the needle for the playoffs. And when we saw in the playoffs, was they got through the weakest part of the bracket that we spend all year talking about who's going to be the sleeper. Turned out to be the Lakers. LeBron doesn't feel like a sleeper but all it did was get them to the conference finals to not win a game. Like it's not nothing, but it's a long way from being a title team still. That's eight really important wins that they didn't really have a chance of getting. So
0: yeah, it could be a matchup. It could be matchup. Like, yeah, for sure. But it's funny because like we thought going into that series that the Lakers would be like a decent matchup for Denver. So it's definitely, it's definitely interesting. I do think that these, these teams are all like they got to do something like they're close Right, but like they're off a little bit. So like, yeah, I think that
1: they're, they're they're close, but are they close? And, yeah, like, and it's like we- the
0: windows closing. It's not on it. Right. It's not like it's, it's not like one of those situations with this next year that we're talking about where you're going to look yeah. at it and say like, okay, there's a window, but it's starting to open. It's like right. the opposite. So I think that that takes us to this next year where we're looking at these teams that have like a clear window coming up, but it's going to be dependent on, a couple things, management, spending, and internal development, especially based on the markets that these teams are. Let's talk about this new tier uh, that you have between with these five teams.
1: Yeah. So I, I call this the tier five is the young and on the come up tier. So deep, I think older version of Brandon, younger, younger version of Brandon from a few years ago. I would have usually flipped the last tier in this one because I think these teams are a lot more fun. These are, the, yeah. these are the teams that like me and you, Joe, like NBA nerds, we love to talk about these teams. We're sick of Philly and the Lakers and the Clippers. Like, oh, yeah, yeah, we know. But like, yeah. look, like at the end of the day, these teams are not winning a title in the next three-year window. Like the, your title hope is near zero for these teams. Your title, the whole point is to win a championship. And the Miami and Philly and both L.A.s are fraught with all sorts of issues, but could win a championship. And your whole point is to give you a chance. These teams are not there yet, but they're fun. They're young and on the come up. So here's the list. I'm going to just run through the whole five and then you can think where we go. Uh, so number 12 is Oklahoma city thunder. They move up from eighteen in last year. Number 13 is the Cleveland Cavaliers. They actually dropped. I got a little too aggressive. I had them seventh last year. I was, that was a little too much. Little aggressive, for me, but yeah. uh, I was very high on my calves last year. Number 14 team we love indiana pacers tyrese halliburton our guy number 15 holy jump sacramento kings were 29th on my list a year ago they Bums. jumped league <laughs> average number 15 and then number 16 i don't really know where to put this team i have the new orleans pelicans where basically zion bought them a ticket into this tier yeah and they're either like six slots too high or too low and I have no idea which. So where yeah. do you want to go with these five teams?
0: This tier I think this tier's fascinating, right? Because I think that all of these teams, like if any of these teams made a conference finals this year, you you you'd be surprised, but I don't think you'd be like completely floored. It would be like, "All right, like I like there was a path. Like whether they would advance to the finals, different story, but like making a conference finals, I think that like some of these teams could do so. I think a lot of the things that happen with this tier, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, but I f- it feels like they're one, either trade away, or one like piece away, or one development away. Yeah. The one that I think's most fascinating in this tier is Cleveland, because I think that in order for them, they can definitely make the Ascension up. It's going to turn on Evan Mobley becoming the number five, like becoming the five. Like if he can't play the five, they I don't think that they can advance in this tier. They need to be able to get off of Jarrett Allen, get something back for him, I think. And because Jarrett Allen's great, but you're losing value when you have them both out there. At least that's the way I look at it. And I think it caps their ceiling. Yeah, I agree.
1: And I think that's effectively what I have them about in this spot too, where like they're clearly young and exciting. It's not just Mobley, like Darius Garland is still pretty young. I don't think Mm -hmm. he's gonna be the best player in a title team guy. It has to be Mobley on this team if there is one right now. Like you're right about that. But like Garland can still improve a lot and needs to, I think, to to have this team get to where they want to get to. Donovan Mitchell, only two more years left. There's already a lot of talks about again your Knicks or where where could he end up going. The other thing that I think does cap them right now I, I, is J.B. Bickerstaff. Like, yeah, our man got them a lot of wins last year, but it did not go well. To, to your team's credit, it did not go well for the Cavs in the no. playoffs. And to me, the arc that I see on this team is we saw now two, two years, really, until they got a bunch of injuries two years ago. But for most of that year and all of last year, we saw a team whose metrics said, you're a top five team or better in the NBA in the regular season. Yep. And I think that we should expect that only to continue now, like the four key guys are all young and should be as good or better this season. I think that the Cavs get a two or a three seed, but now it's no more like last year. It was like, Hey, we're the four seed. Wow. Who saw that coming besides Brandon? He pretty much called that one, but who else saw that coming? And it was fun. And it wasn't such a big deal that they like completely sucked in the playoffs. This year, it's a big deal. If you do that again, baker staff's gone. And I think that's probably the direction this goes is we have this regular season team. We run it back. I think you get to a year from now and say, okay, this isn't working. What do we do? And I think you're right. The two things is Bakerstaff staff goes for that. He got them here. We give him credit. Now you need that guy. To get them, you know, maybe that's, that's Boone or somebody to say, okay, who can be our title coach now? And I think Allen goes, like you said, yeah. and I, you say, okay, where does Mobley to the five, let's get some forwards in here and, and stop this like terrible musical chairs of Max Struess, Jetty, Yasmin, like whatever. Yeah. yeah. All,
0: all of that. Like I, and I think the thing with Cleveland is they need to, like that needs to happen fast because Donovan Mitchell is yeah. not a Cleveland guy. Like Donovan Mitchell's not a cat. Like he's just not. Like that. There's this. In my opinion, unless they are like like legit title contenders in like two years there's a 0% chance Donovan Mitchell's resigning there. Like just 0%. Like he's going to go to a major market. Like that's, that's kind of like what he is like, and he's popular enough. Like he's, he's got the pizzazz. Like we know he wants to, we know he wanted to play in New York. And I think that's like one of those things now where it's like, it's, it's starting, you're starting to see that a bit with some players. So like, and it's Cleveland's always, it's just a tough, it's a little bit of a tough sell. Right. Right. But I think
1: I I think one upside with Cleveland that I kind of did give a little credit for, I I fully agree. Everything you said about Mitchell, even if he just walks and they get nothing for him, you still have Darius Garland and Evan Mobley. Mobley, And you're still like in that three to six range here, like the three to six seed range. Like I think that that's certainly not the ideal outcome, but like, I think that you still have a lot of, a lot to like about this team. And, I in my notes, a lot of times on, on a lot of these teams, again, I used to penalize teams for this. So now I'm giving a little credit depending on your market. I would call it that you Blazers yourself. Like, remember the yeah. Blazers made the conference finals a few years back, and they're like, Oh, that was cool. Let's sign everyone to all the huge money. All the maxes, they yeah. Completely screwed themselves because none of it was good. And it was kind of this fake conference finals runs, or you could say they they hawks themselves. We saw yeah. the Trey Young Hawks. I I think you could kind of make a case for like the Lakers being a version of that this year, potentially, where Mm -hmm. just because you made it to the final four doesn't necessarily mean you were one of the top four teams. Doesn't take anything away. But like to these teams, the Clevelands, the Indiana's, the Sacramentos of the world, to be the Blazers and be a perennial three to six seed and have a chance to win a series or two, that's a pretty good outcome. Like,
0: not not
1: every franchise gets to be a title contender every single year. So I think that's. An outcome that is probably where these teams are headed. That normally, I would kind of ding you on. We'll get to some other teams that I that I did that a little bit more on later. To me, OKC is the interesting team. To me, uh, in this tier, why they're number one is because I think they have of all these teams: Thunder, Calves, uh, Pacers, Kings, Pelicans. They got the guy who's closest to being that title winner right now. That star player. Shea Gillis alexander and Jalen Williams. Yeah, We'll see what he becomes, and Chet Holmgren. So they have one superstar and two more stars, and I'm not a huge fan, but Josh Giddey's Giddey is 20 years yeah. old and putting up crazy numbers. And on top of it, man, the setup. They have a billion picks. They've got all this young upside. They've got, to me, that, that heat thing we talked about, the spine. Like, it's OKC. They don't get Miami. They don't have South Beach. But Sam Presti and I think Mark Dignall is a really good coach. Too. Very good coach. Yeah. Sure,
0: arguably, could have won Coach of the Year last year.
1: Yeah, I, he, he was. I think he was uh, first. I, he, I think he was my Coach of the Year pick a year yeah, ago. So. I had
0: him like right at the top. So
1: yeah. So I, I to me, OKC okay, of every team on the list, when they decide, when Sam Presti decides this team is ready, no team in the NBA is more ready to add a star and make the big swing star trade. Like, look, we talked about Giannis and where would he go if the Bucks? Let's say that Drew Holiday and Chris Milton pick up big injuries this year and are out for the year, and the Bucs are clearly done for the season. And it starts to look right away like, okay, this is done, and Giannis is going to want out. Giannis is up for sale. That's a Thunder play. The Thunder yeah. have the Thunder can blow out of the water any other team. Every offer other offer, yeah, because they can do Josh Giddey this 20-year-old, like, triple-double point guard. They can do Lou Dort, who kind of fits into that thing we talked about, the the Dylan Brooks, the Herb Jones-type players, like a floor-raising player on a nice contract. And then you can add in, like, literally they could add, like, 10 first-round picks or something if they felt like it. So, and now, Shea's not even number one anymore. Now you have your Giannis title winner. You have Shea as an incredible number two. You might still keep Jalen Williams and Chad Holmgren you might have this amazing defense like that is a real scenario where the, the Thunder to me are the team that are in a waiting where if they make that move, it's coming. It's coming sometime in the next few years. When it comes, they go from 12 to like they go to that Grizzlies tier to me that that suddenly now they have the core, they have the piece, they have the structure and they have the stars. That I'm very excited about where the Thunder are going.
0: They should be really good. And I think that their process has been excellent, right? And then that takes us to two teams that are at like an interesting crossroads. And you have, you know, we've talked about the process. I know the the title of this tier for you is trust the process. And now we have two teams that are at like very different spots because one. I'm just going to, I'm going to spoil them for Go you ahead. guys here. But we got Brooklyn and Toronto and Brooklyn's interesting because they have a lot of pieces. They have like lot like it's it's a little unclear what the direction is besides you know building around bridges um so the brooklyn bridges i guess but so you have that and then you know you have toronto who lost fred van vliet they're always in these trade conversations about og and pascal siakam like who are they trade what are they doing honestly like what are what are they doing like i don't know maybe don't know. it's like masai has got like whatever he wants to do but it does seem that brooklyn is like in this tier brooklyn's on the way up while Toronto is on the way down, and they just yeah. happen to be passing each other here, unless Masai pulls something out of his hat.
1: Yeah, I agree. I could easily be talked into Toronto slotting five to eight slots down the list. I think it's possible. Siakam, OG Ananobi, and Gary Trent are all expiring deals this year. It's possible by the time people listen to this that Siakam goes. And I think if he goes, I think all of those guys might go. And I'm not as high on Scotty Barnes as other people I've seen. Like, that—that no. that he was the reason to not go get Kevin Durant and, and contend for a title I thought was ludicrous. Like, he's not quite that dude to me. I love him. I, I i love him as a player, but I don't think he's a, like, franchise superstar type guy. I don't think that's what he is. Masai Ujiri, to me, is a franchise superstar, so I think maybe I'm just giving him a lot of credit here. But I think that the bottom could really drop out on this team, and I'm not really sure there's a, a big ceiling there. I guess this is me trusting that Scotty is a really good young player, that Ujiri knows what he's doing, and that there would be a path forward, even if it's not Siakam and OG, that, okay, well, now we got like six first round picks for him and we'll see where we go from there. They have a pretty clean cap if they do need to move forward. I I like the process. I trust that group. It, It maybe should be lower. Brooklyn, I think, is actually a team that I could be talked into Brooklyn moving up the list a little bit. Michael Bridges was number one on our most valuable contracts. You can listen to that if you haven't yet. Nick Claxton and Cam Johnson, those three guys, like that's a real core. Like those are three good valuable players. They don't have their own picks, but they got a bunch of other picks. They got a decent cap situation. They're New York, so they're going to be a star destination possibly. Yeah, I think probably that mikhail or cam or claxton or maybe two of those guys go out in that deal for the star whoever it is but like to me brooklyn is a a a less young version of the okc thing we talked about i I think they are a star in a waiting type team that the right guy is going to want to go join that team be like hey i kind of like this group i like what they're building um i didn't Um, even have brooklyn ranked last year because at the time KD had asked out and i was like It might completely blow up. It's crazy that look what that team was a year ago. And it's a completely different team now. And we still are like, oh yeah, they're they're set up pretty well. Like, look what they got here. And it should have been that they were buried. They had traded away all their picks and all their stars left. And they're already like, to me, this is why, like you talked about the Clippers and should they be much lower? I can't push the Clippers down too far because I think the Clippers could turn into these Nets pretty quickly. If it didn't yep. work out because Jerry West is going to like make the right moves. They had pretty clean cap and they might just be right back and like, okay, well we've got a different version here, but Reset. let's see where this goes now. So that's fair yeah, enough. It's, it's not really the right. These, these teams don't go together as a tier. I just kind of had to shove them somewhere, but <laughs> uh, yeah, Brooklyn is definitely a team that I think is intriguing at least yeah. to, in this three-year window. Neither of these teams matters at all this year. They don't know the three-year window. Brooklyn should matter at some point.
0: Yeah, and I think that that, you know, looks at, it's an interesting look because both of these teams are like more poised for like a quick rebuild, I think. Not maybe not this year, but like maybe Toronto a little bit more so than Brooklyn this year, right? Like if they can get a piece or something happens, right? But there are there are some other teams that like are looking at like very clear rebuilds and they have elite talent, I would say like on each of these teams. Like or like talent that could be elite, and maybe is the better way to say it. So we we're looking yeah. at the Spurs, the Magic, and the Rockets here. Um, which of these teams do you think you're most excited to watch? I think they're actually all very – they're they're going to be great league pass teams. Yeah. Um. Yep. Is there a team that you're most excited to watch here? Obviously Wemby, but like besides Wemby yeah. maybe, like what are you excited to see from these teams?
1: Yeah, that, that's well put. I, I call this the fun rebuilds taking shape tier, but I should just call this the league pass tier because that, that's exactly <laughs> what this is like – I, you could argue and you will argue in a couple of minutes when we get to the next tier that oh, these three teams are slightly too high. Yeah. Like it, we're a long ways away. These teams are not doing anything meaningful up on a championship level, this three-year window. They're not. Women is not going to come in and suddenly they're going to w- win a championship this year. It's not how basketball works. I- I'm excited. My league pass rankings. I'm going to have Orlando way too high. I-, I love the idea of what they're doing and it kind of caught me you know it caught me a little by surprise like our group chat with Jim Turvey you guys get on my case about like oh you you finally noticed Orlando like thanks we all been watching since, been since January like I, I'll own it that's true I, I was I was busy watching win, winning some NFL money then I like what the to me the the, the three-man core on this team and it pains me I, I like Jalen Stogby He's not been very good yet but The idea of adding Anthony Black, who I thought was fantastic at Summer League, yeah, really like a glue guy, a playmaker, a leader. Ready now. He was mic'd up, and he was like organizing his defense and getting guys in the right spot. To do that as a 19-year-old rookie point guard is super cool. Franz Wagner and Paolo, to me, Orlando has decided, who do we want to be? We want to bring in size everywhere and playmakers everywhere. And right now, that's those three are big playmaking versions at their position. And it's an incomplete team. And those are incomplete players because they're young. But I'm intrigued. Like, to me, look, we just saw in the finals, Denver was big. Denver's yeah. size genuinely mattered. And I, that wasn't really a thing that I was even, I, I, that blindsided me. I wasn't not expecting that, that like first quarter of the finals, Aaron Gordon's a bucket and putting like, putting 10 in like rushing. the first five yeah. minutes because he's just big he's just bigger and everyone was bigger and like uh, to me I'm starting to see the breadcrumbs of what Orlando's trying to do here and I don't know if they have that star superstar player yet in this tier I think Wemby is the most obvious choice out of that group yeah. the Rockets are the team that I'm still skeptical on because I don't I don't love Dylan Brooks These he makes so many an appearance weird again pieces here. it's I don't know how it all fits but I Jabari Smith, awesome at Summer League. I was very excited for the one game we got from my man Thompson. Yeah. Shane, you and I like it a lot. Like, I'm not the biggest Jalen Green fan. I don't know how he fits with this core. They don't own their draft picks, they, 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 but they do own a lot of Brooklyn picks. We'll see. I don't think those are quite oh, yeah. as valuable as they probably hope they will be. But, like, they they moved up. They, they moved up for me. Orlando moved up. The Spurs really moved up. I actually think the Spurs until they won the lottery and got Wemby were a pretty bland and lifeless team. Like I thought pop was near retirement. He suddenly was like, Oh, I got Wemby five-year contract, Sign me up. But like, there's, there's not a lot else here. I like Jeremy Sohan, but uh, I like Devin Vassell. Like these are like rotation guys. Like these are not championship title, moving needle guys. Uh, the Spurs were 27th for me last year and that was really, like, they're basically in my bottom tier, and they have been that for several years of this exercise. They finally got rid of the DeMar DeRozan group from a few years ago, and frankly, to me, the takeaway from the Spurs is, what happened to get lucky? (laughs) Like, the Spurs were a team going absolutely nowhere for me, and then they won the number one pick, and and here they are, number 19, and it's a little too high. It's a Wemby aggression here, but It's fun. This is the hope rankings. These are not the best team rankings. If you are a Spurs fan, we saw that summer league, boy, you got hope right now you have hope in Wemby. and hope you're going to be bad for a couple years still probably but hope can can get you through those those bad dark years because you have a plan now.
0: Yeah, I think that this is this is definitely a tier where you're like looking and you're like if you're a fan of one of these teams, you can just say like there's something here that's going to be exciting. We'll just see how it goes. But like also all of those teams are like Houston's a bigger market, but, um, you know, like they're not like like San Antonio was like super successful, but it's not necessarily a quote unquote big market. Like in terms of the money that's going around, I guess. So, you yeah. know, there is something to be hopeful there. The next tier, I am just like <laughs> offended um because you know, we have the glass ceiling tier. I appreciate that you put your Minnesota Timberwolves in here as well. And <laughs> then the we at the bottom just, of the tier. <laughs> at the bottom of the tier. Uh, but this tier you have the New York Knicks, the Atlanta Hawks, and the Minnesota Timberwolves. I have words on the Knicks. I would like to hear what you think about this, these teams though. Minnesota's is obvious though. Um, just the amount of money that's devoted to the center position is a monstrosity. So it's you know, it's it's rough there.
1: Yeah, these are 22, 23, 24 on my list. Yeah, the centers I have in my notes, they will be paying 110 million dollars a year for just the center position of towns, Gobert and Naz Reed. The timeline is super messy. Like Ant and Jaden McDaniels are super young, Gobert and Conley are super old. Towns is kind of stuck in the middle, like none of it really lines up. I don't think Ant and Cat is good enough. And I think it's very likely that Kat is gone sooner than later, maybe to your next. I know you don't really Yeah, want I hope that, not. But, like, but <laughs> yeah, but I feel like they made a big swing and it was a very bad swing that we knew immediately. The cap is bad. They don't have picks anymore. I think the upside of this team and I think the upside of this tier, and we'll get to the other teams, is to be like in that four or five seed range and win a series. So yeah. the Hawks were another team that made their big swing last year for DeJounte. Didn't go that well for them. I don't really think Trey DeJounte fits well together. There's cheap ownership there. They've now given away in back-to-back years Kevin Herder and John Collins for effectively nothing. So yeah. crazy. They I just yeah. I don't see a huge ceiling on the team. I think they already had their ceiling, which was that kind of fake conference finals run when, when the Sixers got hurt and Ben Simmons wouldn't shoot. Your argument is going to be against the Knicks here. So, New York, I don't know if we did this on the pod last year or not. New York moved up for me. New York was last. No, you had New York very low,
0: but I think you were a little not very low, last.
1: I had them last. They were 30th last year, Joe. They were dead last for me. (laughs) Like I talked about the Blazers thing earlier. I don't think the Knicks are as locked in contract-wise, but I think that this group probably just had their best year. I think they are in that kind of four to eight seed range. They won a series because Cleveland was the right matchup and the right time. Good I don't really think they would have really won any other matchups there. Brunson and Randall—they're not going to get better. Like this, this—they're at the end of their primes. They're going to be moving the wrong direction. They've got the bench advantage. They have Tibbs. I feel I, I, I kind of ding them for having Tibbs because. I think he's going to run guys also. from the ground and he's, yeah. he's not a playoff sort of coach. They got picks, but they're fake picks. They're all these like yeah. fake first rounders that really should be added to a Donovan Mitchell trade to be like, we gave you four first rounders, even though it's really like one and some long shot second stuff. I just, I feel like these three teams, including your Knicks, I'm sorry, feel pretty kind of locked into the thing they are right now. And the thing they are right now is like a not exciting thing to watch compared to some of the other younger teams, like the, the OKC Indiana group. They're yeah. not exciting in that way. They don't have a ceiling, and the trajectory is going to go the wrong direction, and I just can't get excited about that. On any of these three teams. So tell me, tell me why I'm wrong on on your New York Knickerbockers.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think the next thing is at least they have picks, right? Like both Atlanta and Minnesota have nothing. They just like they literally yeah. can't do anything. Like there's nothing that they have left to do besides like literally get rid of their guys. At least with New York, they have picks. Like whether they're fake or not, it we've seen that now apparently fake picks can get you like superstars. <laughs> That's true. So no, but so it's like, and there, I think that there has been a little bit more of a movement. There's a little bit more of a culture there where people are like, Hey, like it might be fun to go play there. You know, like we want to go play with Brunson, you know, like we want to play for a team that's going to contend. We want to play in New York and it's, it's a little bit different than it ever was. I think, you know, Leon Rose has done a good job of really constructing this team and kind of separating I think the basketball operations from James Dolan and that's been something that's, I think really plagued New York with getting dies where it's like, you know, like LeBron, like when he made the decision, I think he's been on the record saying he wanted to go to the Knicks and the meeting went so bad. Basically, like with Dolan, he was like, "Oh fuck this!" Like no way. So it's like I think that by getting Dolan kind of out of it, Dolan can go look at his fear in Vegas and like just forget about the Knicks for a little bit. Maybe that they can do something. But I do think that they have some young pieces that are valuable. Where as if you look at Atlanta, you look at Minnesota it's a little bit harder to find like the right path at the right pieces to trade. Whereas like if you're in New York, you've got quickly, you have Grimes, you have picks. The Dallas picks should probably convey this year. So you're going to have two first round picks this year. You have over like every second round pick imaginable. So they're in that, I don't, they don't, they're not quite where like OKC is in terms of the picks, but they do have a lot and they're not where Brooklyn is, but they have a lot of picks that you can throw at teams with players so like yeah. they, they have real movable assets with like quickly grimes mitchell robinson even if you had to and like you can and you have contract filler with fournier randall like whatever so i'm a little yeah. bit more and those contracts even though we talk shit about randall i'd much rather be paying randall his contract than rudy gobert his contract so it's, yeah. it's just in terms well, of what well, the number bear is and downs, <laughs>
1: where we're top three on, a, on the worst contract list so, yeah. so i obviously agree on that let me make you an offer here. So as I'm thinking through it, I know you want the Knicks further up the list. I'm curious how high you would put them on the list. Here's my trade offer for you. We had we we had the fun rebuilds. Obviously, none of those, none of these teams are in that group. If we keep those there, what if we we had the Brooklyn Toronto trust the process tier 17 and 18? Toronto seemed a little high. New York feels a little low. New York is clearly top of these three teams. Yeah. What if I swap out New York and Toronto? And that now was got actually 70 Brooklyn, 18 New York. We'll call it the New York, New York tier. I had a name yeah. for it and everything. And then <laughs> Toronto goes down into like the glass ceiling tier. It's, How do you feel about that?
0: It's funny you say that because when I looked at this, that's actually where I thought we were going with this because <laughs> I felt like Toronto is at that point where people don't like who's no there's not a lot of people trying to go to toronto like we're not seeing free agents flocking to toronto so i i I think that their situation besides pascal siakam being like i want to die in toronto which is like the most bizarre (laughs) thing i've ever seen from like a player of his caliber right like in terms of like when they're saying like hey like we could trade you to a contender nah fuck that like keep me above the border like it's it's crazy so i I, that's probably where i would have made a switch but i do think that at Atlanta, Minnesota, they're kind of capped and it sucks because like, Ann Edwards is awesome. So I, uh, we'll see we'll see what happens with those teams but uh, I, I would gladly take that trade and right. at least none of these teams are in the next tier, which is long term rebuilds. Um, if you listen to the last episode, you heard us talk about Laurie Markkinen, his contract, how we think that that is going to be a tradable asset, but it puts Utah in this tier with Utah, Portland, Detroit Detroit and Charlotte, all yep. of these teams are like in similar situations, I would say um, some actually like better than others. Right. Uh, what What do you think about this tier? Um, who do you think is the most likely to get out of this tier fastest?
1: So I, I think the fact that I'm really seeing this as a three year thing is why Utah is maybe a little lower than than you might think. I think if this was like a, you know, normally, and again, this is where I've adjusted a little bit because the NBA these days changes so quickly in three years. So normally I would have done a hope thing and and done like a seven-year trajectory. And then teams like, you know, Boston a few years ago and still now Memphis, OKC would move up. Utah moves up a lot in that case. They have a ton of picks. The cap situation is good. They've got Lowry. They got Walker Kessler, who looks like a great pickup for them. They're in a really good spot. I just think it's a long ways away and I don't think there's a lot of hope yet. And we talked about why I don't think Lowry is necessarily in that next great core. I don't think it's like, like there, there's not a young core yet necessarily. I don't think the young core of this team is Lowry and Kessler. I think no. it's Kessler and guys to come later and you yeah. guys are going to come, but like, it, it's a long-term project. Three years from now, Utah maybe is in that OKC spot, like 12th or something. Once they get those next players, I like where they're headed, Portland. I love Scoot. If I could only have one player in this tier, Scoot is is my pick with a bullet. So that's why they were next. Then Detroit. Not Brandon
0: Miller, right?
1: (laughs) It's it's not Brandon Miller. Yeah, that's true. I guess he's in this group, and he got drafted before him. Um, Detroit actually was twentieth for me last year, so they're the big faller here. Detroit, I think, basically fell fell from that that Rockets, Spurs, Magic grouping. I mm-hmm. think that's what we, we all kind of thought Detroit was a year ago. And that was based a lot about Cade Cunningham and Jay Ivey. Jay Ivey sucked at summer league. And and it's just summer league, but he's the sort of guy that should have absolutely been a too good to the be crush. here summer league guy. Crushed. And he yeah. was he was yeah. real bad and he did not stand out. We don't know with Cade, but he basically has a lost year right now. I I I'm a lot more pessimistic now with them. They do have Monty Williams. He's developed guys really Asar well. Star looks good. Asar looks really good. I like him a lot, but I also think that he's probably a role player and like, that can't be the reason that we're excited about your team. Like it has to be the third reason or something. So I don't know that Detroit has had top five pick, top five pick, top five pick, number one pick. I don't know if they have their star yet on their team. I don't know if it's Cade right now and I don't think it's anyone else on the team. And then Charlotte is just bad, bad ownership, bad coaching. There may be fun. Maybe if LaMelo plays all year. LaMelo is
0: fun. fun. LaMelo is just flat out fun. That's about LaMelo's it.
1: LaMelo is fun, but like, I don't, is he fun to root for? And like Miles Bridges, the player with LaMelo was fun, but Miles Bridges, the person is not fun Toss to root up. for. Yeah, it's <laughs> not great. Not I mean, great. Brandon Miller is not looking great as a pick right now. I feel like as a draft person, like I feel like they screw up every pick they make. Like so many I mean, guys best... on their roster are, are just like, guys that I was first, I saw, and I was like, Oh, James book Knight, Oh, Kai Jones. Like that's fun. And then you like actually scout them and you're like, Oh no, you're not actually a good player. And then Charlotte picks them too high anyways. And they're not actually good players. So yeah. I mean, I
0: the best thing that's happening to Charlotte is that Michael Jordan is going to stop trying to be LeBron <laughs> and true. building teams. So like, it's just, that's what it is. I mean, like, it's just, it's that's literally true. some of the worst Drafting and like worst decision making I've ever seen. Cause like even when we saw them draft Brandon Miller, the the comments from the organization were like, Yeah, like we had to, <laughs> like, kind of yeah. like it was like it was like the decisions, blah blah blah. And everybody knew that just meant like Jordan said Brandon Miller, and that was it. Like, that was that was what it came down to. And it's like, if they had scoot maybe we're in a totally different position with this team. And you're looking at Charlotte and you're like, all right, like they have LaMelo, they have Scoot, like they, Miles Bridges will be back like in some capacity, like regardless of the off the court stuff, the on court stuff was pretty good when he played. It's like, all right, like there's a little bit of something there. Maybe they're exciting. They got some young guards, like whatever, but like, now you're looking at this and you're like, oh, like this is bad. They're doing ownership restructuring. Like that's always a little funky there. And then, um, you know, I, I at least they do have some young talent, and you know, they're not in the proverbial last tier, the bad place <laughs> with the final yeah, so team. Let's
1: so let's go to the bad place. Unfortunately for me, this is where one of my this is my local team. We live in the bad place, Joe my chicago bulls number 29 on the list ahead of just one team and that is the number 30 washington wizards and as i prepared to name them right now i was like i don't know man should chicago be ahead of washington maybe chicago should be lower like it's bleak (laughs) out here it's gross the bulls are on what i label the treadmill of mediocrity like to to me the bulls are right now what the wizards were a year or two ago or three years ago Whereas, like what what are we doing like You are fighting year after year to hopefully make the play in. And I know, I know two playing teams just made the conference finals, but like that is not a thing you can plan around. At least Chicago had that like six week stretch of, hey, this could be a real like top three seed team. But I think that was predicated a lot on Lonzo, who might just not play again. Like he was on our bad contract list. Zach Levine was on our bad contract list. Nikola Vucevic, I think, was just off of it. So that's three guys there. That's the whole team. Somehow, Demar Derozan, who I've dumped on for a decade, is not on the list. He actually like got He's pretty good. good. But it's, yeah, it's just, they're stuck somewhere between mediocre and terrible, and they've got long deals on these guys. Like, they Zach Levine is the Bradley Beal on this team. Of like, they've waited too long, and now there's rumors like though they're t- thinking about moving. It's too late. Like. You should have yeah. done a year or two ago before well, the knee went bad, before he got less valuable, and before these superstar trades got muted in price. Like yeah, do it last summer and Zach Levine turns into like four first round picks or something. Yeah. At, you know, the price of the Gobert and the DeJounte deals.
0: And that's like what they're saying, because like I know the one thing that I will give the Knicks a lot of credit for is the front office has basically been like we're not trading for these guys that are like yeah. on awful deals like they just refuse to do it unless they can get them on like pennies on the dollar. Zach Levine, one of those guys where yeah. I think he would actually be like a really good fit in New York, like with what they have in terms of like on the court. Yeah. I, think he, I think he could actually be very good um but they're basically like no like the asking price is insane and chicago really doesn't have leverage they're not they're not dealing from a place no. of leverage right now everybody knows that like they're just one of those teams that's going to float around at the 10 seed are their picks going to convey are they not like you know that type of deal yeah and i think that chicago like you said like a lot of it's really come down to the fact that lonzo like that's just been brutal for them um I think that they're in a position where like they should probably try to get what they can get for Alex Caruso. He might be the most valuable player on the roster. And then just because like you're going to get him on a good deal, like we talked about in the previous episode, and he can fit in on so many contending teams and DeRozan too, like even if you can't trade Levine, at least trade DeRozan because like we like he dudes a bucket, like he'll get you a bucket. So he's got some value there.
1: Yeah, I mean, I, there, there are moves that every Chicago fan has been begging for for years, but instead it feels like Bulls just keep doubling and tripling down on the, the same broken formula. Like they still owe a draft pick, a first round pick for DeRozan. That still is multiple crazy. years away for this. Like they went all in on this DeRozan, Vucevic, Zach Levine team that has not won a playoff series and is not going to win a playoff series at any point. They no. gave up three first-round picks for that. They're missing young talent. There's there's not young talent here because they gave away all those draft picks for it. Patrick Williams was supposed to be the one guy. He's fine. Like he's it's he's okay. not feeling, yeah. like he's not feeling like a building block right now. And so, I guess they're ahead of Washington because like at least they could be like I don't know what's the upside. They're like a six seed this year.
0: And yeah, in the immediate, a couple of sure. games yeah. in the first
1: round. Yeah, Washington. At least to me, Washington has gotten off the treadmill of mediocrity. Washington only is last behind Chicago to me because Washington is (laughs) they're meaningless for this three-year window. They're they're nothing. They are only meaningful if they trade enough. Like weirdly, they have enough like mid-players that they almost can't quite be bad enough to even get the number one pick. They got no talent. But they at least have their own draft picks. That's their best assets they have on the team now, which they got rid of Porzingis and Beal. They kept Kuzma, but that's not going to hurt their draft slot at all. No, we'll I'll And we'll see if he gets
0: moved. Honestly,
1: right? Yeah, he will at some point because his contract will be tradable. Yeah. To me, really, the only player asset of value, like they, they for years, they I can't think of the name now. The new GM that they brought in finally like hit the eject on Beal to just okay, look, We can't be the thing we've been trying to do. The thing the Bulls won't admit to themselves, the Wizards finally admitted this summer. So I like, again, if this was the seven-year hope rankings, Washington's at least not in last. They actually, they've started the rebuild now. They're going somewhere yeah. rather than nowhere. It's a long ways away. Bilal Koulibaly, I was not high on him in the draft. He's pretty clearly the the best young asset they have because instead they keep drafting like, johnny davis and cory kispert and Danny obdia yeah. these guys who are like your upside is to be like the fifth man on a decent team like
0: those are guys and, that like contending teams would be drafting generally. sure
1: absolutely like yeah. a lot of teams will a lot of the teams at the top of our list would love to get cory kispert on their team right now as like the seventh guy or like the fifth starter on the team to hit, hit shots right. but if you're washington and, and like it's an empty slate don't draft cory kispert like you need star upside that's why I don't love Bilal Bali personally. I scout a lot of him because he's in France. I, I don't mind the upside swing. Like This is last year OKC took Usman Jang, and uh, that was, again, I, I thought it was the right swing for that team. you got a lot of picks now. You need, like, hitting singles for Washington is not going to help. They need to just keep swinging for home run picks, and if they don't hit, that's great because it means that they lost enough that they get another home run swing the next year. Yeah, I think Bali is their first chance at that. I think that they are like two years away from moving to the Utah spot on this list. And then Utah was still a few years away from like being like, how many years over under over under six and a half years till Washington wins uh, its next playoff series.
0: Um, I would, I'm going to say over to be honest, just cause like, I don't see it with what they have. And like, yeah. I don't think they're going to be trading to like acquire talent. Right? right. I think the thing with Washington and I, I, I know this has been, I've heard this bet floated around, but there people saying like, Oh, Jordan pool, most improved. I like do not like that bet because like we actively know what Jordan pool will do when like he gets <laughs> max minutes and just is like, go do whatever the fuck you want to do. Like you can shoot the ball as many times as you want. He's going to score. Like we know that like he's a volume scorer. Like he'll, he'll score like he's a regular season. Like he's great at that. Right. Because like, and in Washington, nobody's going to be throwing like weird, defenses at him like you're not trying to stop him they're just like all right like whatever you go shoot like shoot the ball 30 times we're gonna beat you by 30 like it's fine so like i don't like that bet i think the team's gonna be too bad and i think that like we're at a point now where we understand that volume and like just the like raw totals does not necessarily equate to like improving and i think that like that's something that with pool when we, we saw like when Curry was out, he put up bonkers numbers. And then like when he was back in, so it's like we do have something to look at over there. So like I would not be betting him for most improved when you're looking at some of these other guys that are available.
1: Yeah, I, I agree. I think he's going to have like pretty huge counting numbers, but also my research on like the historical profile, most improved almost all comes from a team that's at least decent. Like usually it's, yeah. a, it's a playoff team. With Lowry, it was not. But I think that was kind of a unique spot. And we talked about why some of the other guys got a little bit discredited there. But, like, at, at Washington is going to contend for the number one pick. And, like, I guess the credit for Jordan Poole is I don't think they're going to have to shut down Jordan Poole to still contend for the number one pick if you catch my drift. Like, yeah, I think they're just going to go ahead and let him keep on firing. And every show for it gets them a little closer to the top of the draft. But at some point, I, I have to give the voters enough respect to be like, yeah, we're, we're not going to reward that. And I, I guess the other thing, too, just now zooming out on the list, I noticed now we talked about the top of the list, how it was mostly West teams, and it was Boston and Milwaukee, and then the top seven was West otherwise. Well, here's the bottom, last four, Detroit, Charlotte, Chicago, Washington. So I think that's why when we look at the big picture, the East is stability. That's why Boston has so much value, like from a future standpoint now, because it's just so – the floor is so high – And there are four teams that we are saying are the worst of any of the teams going forward for the next few years. And there's not even like young upside necessarily on these teams. So I think that's why like as fans and as analysts, we talk so much about the West because it's more open. Like there, even the teams down at the bottom are at least like, Oh, well, you have Wemby or you have, you know, all these Houston guys, like you have scoot. You're at least going, we, we see what's happening here going some, some direction. And with With the East, I feel like it's gonna still be the rich get richer and and these yeah. teams stuck on the bottom just seem stuck there for a little bit. Yeah. So I think even this big picture from futures perspective, the East is the stability, and the West is where you can really like grab your sleeper from. and it could be it could be anything. The East we kind of just know is it's boring. Like we yeah, know other see, than the- we'll see what we'll see with Miami Philly what happens? but other than than those star trades, we kind of just know like the, the direction things had right now in the East.
0: Yeah. So it's definitely going to be interesting. I, I'm glad that we moved the Knicks up a couple tiers here, um, <laughs> but I do think that, you know, it's going to be an interesting season and it's something that we should think about, like in terms of like moving forward too. And it's one of those spots where I think that, we've seen fewer and fewer like cashed out options. Like when we bet on futures lately. So it's like, it's yeah. been one of those things now it's like where we have this list. Like we kind of know what teams we think are contending for title for titles, like stuff like that. I think you have to structure your portfolio a little bit differently than maybe like a couple of years ago where we were just taking like bombs and it was just like, well, like they're going to offer us cash out value on this. Like, and then like, going in the playoffs, I know I'm just, I'm going to take it, but now like we're starting to see them like lock that up or not really give you anything. So I think that you have to think about that too, when you're taking some of these long shots, like be, be like comfortable with it or like be ready to build a portfolio rather than necessarily think about like where the positions are kind of hedging each other rather than being in a position where like you need to hedge out of it or try to cash something out. Cause we've seen, there's like a clear declining value in terms of like what you're getting there. So I think that yeah. that's something to definitely consider with these teams. So it's like, yeah, like maybe you're, maybe, maybe like, I don't know, like maybe uh, I'm trying to think of one of these teams, maybe Utah's like a little bit or no, let's not do that. Maybe like, maybe Houston's a little bit better than you think they might be yeah. or like Orlando. Right. And you're like, Oh, I'm going to put a ticket on them to like make the playoffs or to like, like advance in the East or like have like, a, or exit in a certain round sure like maybe do that but also understand that like that's still pretty unlikely and you probably aren't going to get a great cash out value on it right. just based on the way the books have been treating things lately yeah well
1: and even too, like think of the bet you're making there like it, it don't don't grab the title ticket on this team like no the, these groups near the bottom are just not getting anywhere near that make the playoffs yeah sure okay i, I could see orlando make the playoffs i could see orlando make the play in and have a chance yeah. at it i was going to ask you kind of thinking big picture too you're looking at the Google Doc with our list here. Start at the bottom of the list. How far up do you have to go? And I'm going to remove the Knicks as an option for you because I, I don't want the homer pick. <laughs> if I told you someone on this list made the conference finals this year and it, like it realistically made the conference finals, you can't pick the Knicks, how far starting at 30, how far up the list do you have to go before you're like, okay, yeah, there's a team that I could legitimately see, got the right path, got the right health. And made the conference finals. Who who's the lowest on the hope rankings that you can see getting there?
0: It's it's New Orleans and it's specifically because of Zion. Like it's just like that, it's if Zion's healthy and he's playing, like, yeah. Outside of him, I'm probably all the way up at Cleveland. Um, just based on the fact that like I think that they're good enough. And if the board breaks right for them, they could get there.
1: Yeah, I I think that's what I was thinking as well. When I was kind of looking up the list, because I didn't really expect that, but I think if you, if I even being fair for you, I will say I think New York of the 17 yeah. and below, New York is the answer if you're going to pick one of those. But yeah, that that young and on the come up group. Okay, see? Maybe. If they're Off. in the East, I could see it a little better. The yeah. West is pretty tough, but maybe Shea has an amazing run. Cleveland certainly seems like the team that could be in the mix. Indiana, Sacramento are teams you kind of skip past, I think just because no defense there. But maybe if the Kings get the bracket they got last year or the Pacers get that sort of, you know, like with with the right injury lock or the the Giannis injury or whatever, that kind of helps your path. New Orleans, for reason you said, like that to me, that tier, the 12 to 16. But I think that's interesting because that means half of the NBA, literally half of the NBA, other than maybe the Knicks, has no chance to even make a Final Four this year. And even like, I think going forward, even if we say in, in this 3 year window if we start at you know number 16 New Orleans and go down even in the 3 year window it, it's really hard to imagine most of these teams below that even making a final 4 even with the right bounces so yeah. we we this is not the NFL if we did this in the NFL it'd be kind of a useless exercise honestly because like the Random. list would change so much from year to year and if we did this who could make you know the conference finals who could make the NFC championship game like Atlanta, you know sure, the Falcons could do it, or like, well, what if like the, like you could talk me into in the NFL like twenty five of thirty two teams yeah. any given the one year. game variance
0: like, changes things so yes, much. the 100%. variance changes. whereas in 100%. basketball, I think, I think that's
1: football. important from the from futures to like not get too crazy and like be excited about these young teams, but I think the to me, the seeing these rankings helps me be like, okay, realize where the glass ceiling or where the ceiling is capped on some of them for now that you can be excited and maybe play a win total over maybe they're a little better than we expect right now but that's about it for my futures play they're not going to go win the division they're not going to make the playoffs they're not going to make the conference finals or more like you have to be realistic with what your futures ticket can actually cash now that we can't just like like clv is great but clv ain't going to win us any money we actually cash out our ticket and if we can't cash out the ticket, we got to actually win it, then you got to be realistic about where you can get to there.
0: Yeah, I think that's a great note and I think that that's definitely something that's super important as we kind of have concluded this money series. Be smart with your money, you know, take a look at these contracts, take a listen to all these uh all these pods that we put together in terms of free agency, the best, the worst contracts, and then obviously this contract. Let us know if you guys enjoyed this and Brandon, thank you again for joining It's been a pleasure. Let's continue to cash that.